Welcome back to Sunshine with Rain. I'm Lauren Clone. And I'm Julie Hayes. This week we have a very exciting announcement. We are hosting our first self-care giveaway box. Next week we will announce the winner of our Holiday Blues giveaway. All you have to do is follow us on Instagram at Sunshine with Rain Podcast, like our Holiday Blues giveaway post, and for every comment in which you tag a friend, you'll receive one entry into the giveaway. Now, I know a lot of people on Instagram give you a limit of how many tags you can do, and they give you all these rules, but we want to get the word out to as many people as possible. So there's no limit of how many friends you can tag or how many entries you can have. Go ahead, tag your mom, your grandma, and anyone else that you think would want to hear this kind of content. Um, Anyone who's passionate about wellness, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual wellness, we want them to find this safe space. With that said, we are so excited to have the resources and ability to make this announcement. Now, without further ado, let's talk emotional intelligence. So what is emotional intelligence? Emotional intelligence is the capacity to be aware of, control, and express one's emotions, and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. So there are five components of emotional intelligence, and the first that we're going to discuss is self-awareness. It's the ability to recognize and understand your moods, your motivations, and your abilities, also understanding the effect that they have on others. Okay, so for example, we've researched this a little bit. So to achieve a state of complete self-awareness, an individual must be able to monitor their emotional state and then identify what emotions they're feeling. So someone who is more emotionally mature would have confidence or the ability to laugh at themselves and their mistakes and the awareness of how they're perceived by others. An example of that would be like, if I say something controversial at work, being able to like recognize my associates' faces change, or if someone, if you're having a conversation and someone's actually uncomfortable, you reading the room and being in tune with others and yourself enough to know, oh, this maybe isn't the most appropriate place or time to be having that conversation. So how do you feel about your self-aware? Do you feel that you're self-aware? I feel like I am incredibly self-aware and I know people that aren't. And when they make those comments and don't read the room, I'm like, are you okay? Can you please take a second and just look at your surroundings? Because there's something like you come in contact with so many different people and you don't know where people stand on certain like controversial issues or even like just making bold statements. You just don't know. And it's like that it's like me and you. Like if you make a statement and it's not something that I agree with, I know that we have curated this space for each other and we have like an emotional and a mutual understanding about, okay, This is how you may feel on a certain issue, and I may not feel that way, but it is a safe space to talk about it here. Right, and it's almost like, you know how people agree to disagree or whatever? I've always said that I really struggle with that, and that's true for me. I do struggle with that, but... I also know what like what healthy dialogue looks like. So even like talking political views, that's not something you do in an office space or a lot of the times that's something you don't want to do with like really close friends that you've like grown up with, right? Because you don't want to change the way that you perceive that person. But just because someone's different than you are doesn't mean, we don't want to be friends with ourselves. So just because someone's different than you are doesn't mean that they're wrong. I think for me, being emotionally aware is a, a self-aware I think I struggle sometimes. 
I struggle when I'm drinking because I don't have the emotional like capacity in that moment to understand someone else's point of view. I think that my feelings are the only valid feelings at that time. I think that's normal, right? Because I'm drunk. Um, but I also struggle with that if I feel very, very passionate about a a subject, if I feel passionate about women's rights, reproductive rights, things of that nature, those kinds of things, I have a really hard time tuning into the the right audience or I I can be, I'm not very apologetic of a person. So I feel, I don't, I don't apologize for taking up any space or making my opinions very well known sometimes, but you do have to read the room and make sure meeting your partner's, you know, family for the first time probably isn't the best audience if you're going to talk about sexual wellness um, or orgasms, right? That's, oh, that's a weird a weird vibe. You, you got to read the room and know if that's the kind of family where that's like a safe space to discuss those things with. The second of the five components of emotional intelligence is self-regulation. This is the ability to control one's impulses or to think before you speak, react, and express yourself appropriately. Emotional maturity means being able to take responsibility for your actions and being able to adapt to change and the ability to respond appropriately to other people's irrational emotions or behavior. Like, For example, when Juan and I fight, I always tell him, I'm like, please don't yell at me. Like, I don't want to feel like I'm in trouble. And he's like, I'm not yelling at you. This is the way that I talk. You can't hear anyways. You're deaf. I'm trying to make sure that you can hear me. (laughs) But it's true. I'm like, please, please don't. Like, I hate feeling like I'm in trouble. But like, I know that he's not yelling at me. It's just the way that he talks. And sometimes he has to be self-regulating of that. Right. I think for me as well, I know that when, or um, especially in my relationship, right? We've talked about this before. When I am very stressed or anxious, I have a hard time putting that into words. So Aaron is able to understand that when I'm angry, I am very calm. So that's not the emotion. I might display what traditionally people think is angry, but I'm not actually mad in those situations. I tend to raise my voice and get like irate or, you know, whatever you would think as someone who's angry when I'm really stressed or anxious. That's not how I react when I'm actually angry. When I'm really mad, I'm like, absolutely not. That is not acceptable. And that's not how you will speak to me. You are hurting my feelings. That's mean. So it's a totally different tone. And Aaron's been able to adapt to that, right? And self-regulate that for himself where he knows, okay, she might be saying X, Y, and Z, or she might sound like X, Y, and Z, but really how she's feeling right now, This there's an underlying issue there and he reacts appropriately. Um, and then I'm, I know I do that all the time with my friends too. I know that if your emotions are higher that on a scale from one to five, if you're not around a five or a six, you're probably crying. And I think I only cry when like someone dies. Like I'm not that big of a crier. Lately I've been crying more than ever, but I think it's because I'm very weirdly in tune with my emotions because of this podcast. But I know for you, you might be crying. I could assume that you're sad, but you could just be really excited or angry. Um, And that's me being aware of how you react based on your feelings. Right. And I completely agree. And when I get angry, I'm like one of those frustrated criers and I'm not necessarily crying because I'm sad or whatever. I'm upset. And if I'm talking to you and I'm calm, bitch, you better run for the hills because I'm ready to end your life. I will oh literally take 
take it and run. If I'm calm, it means I'm so upset that I literally cannot find the anger in me to scream or cry. And then I become like a disciplinary mom. Like, like you said, I'm like, absolutely not. Do you <laughs> want to go to the bathroom? Do you want me to spank you? Because I'm literally not in the mood. And my mom would just have to give me that death stare. And I feel like I get like that when I get angry. And I just look at the person. I'm like, are you dumb? Like, <laughs> please don't talk to me. <laughs> I'm dead. Can I get a wellness check, Julie 911? Julie 911, mom, come pick me up. I'm scared. So the third component of emotional intelligence is motivation. This is having an interest in learning and self-improvement. It is having the strength to keep going when there are obstacles in life, and it's setting goals and following through with them. So this can be defined as someone with traits, uh, someone who has initiative, someone who's committed to completing tasks, um, someone with the perseverance in the face of adversity. So there are two types of motivation, internal and external. Internal motivation-driven goals, those are things such as earning a college degree or becoming a healthier person, things that show self-improvement. Exterior motivation-driven goals are things that flaunt wealth or status. So this is setting goals such as having the newest and nicest car. Or having like the biggest house or something. Would that be an example of an exterior motivation-driven goal? Yes. Okay, so then in interior motivation goal would be I fail a class and instead of just like throwing a fit about it and thinking the world is ending, being like, let's do that again and let's see what I can learn from this experience, right? First of all, I did fail a class and had to redo it and it was not a good learning experience, but I did end up passing the class. So I'm very happy that I took that chance, but I had no internal motivation driven goals to do that. See, okay, so I also have failed a class. Well, we're welcome to the failure podcast, guys. <laughs> um, welcome to emotional intelligence, but no actual intelligence because we kept failing fucking school. <laughs> this this also plays into the fact that we don't know how to speak English. I literally hate us. Usually I love things for us today. I hate everything for us. Same. So yeah, no, I failed a class too. And I called my dad sobbing and basically was like, I just need to drop out of school and like my life is over. So I would say that that was a poor example of us having good emotional intelligence. But really, we should have said, okay, this situation, things happen, but I am so passionate about completing my degree in this. So it's worth doing it again. And now I've learned for next time. How did you fail your class? Did you just not show up and do your homework? Because that's what I did. And then I slept through my final. No, I feel even worse because I genuinely didn't get the material and I really like <laughs> academically failed. I really feel like that was your professor though, not you. No, I wish I could say that, but it was a math class, statistics to be specific, and it was the worst class that I've ever taken. And I took it at FGCU, you know, we both went there. And then I took it at Valencia. So No, I'm just dead because I failed statistics too. <laughs> Wow. Guess we're not going to be counting any numbers on here. <laughs> Good thing. You know what? I don't think we ever have to do math on this podcast. Thank the Lord. Praised be under his eye. The fourth component of emotional intelligence is empathy. So empathy is the ability to understand other people's emotions and their reactions to things. Empathy can only be achieved if you are self-aware. 
So it's said that one must be able to understand themselves before they can understand others. So emotional maturity in this category is super pertinent and it includes people having traits such as perception of others, being interested in other people's worries and concerns, the ability to anticipate someone's emotional response to a problem or situation, and understanding the society's norms and why people act the way that they do. So pretty much an example of this is being able to understand and cope with someone else's hardship or sadness and that's actually something huge that my jobs taught me is that if you apologize to someone and I I talk to my associates about this all the time because we talk about like heartfelt apologies for service failures and hotels but in general in any relationship in your life I always say if my husband and I are in an argument and he just keeps saying I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I don't feel that he understands what I'm saying or is empathizing with how I'm feeling. I feel like he's just using the apology to shove it down my throat and get me to just shut up. So instead, what we try to do is understand the other person's point of view. So he'll say, I understand why you're feeling like that and have and make an understanding statement of, I get it. Right now you're thinking like this and you think that I meant it like this and that makes you feel like X, Y, and Z, but this is what my intention was by this conversation being had. And then I try to understand his point of view and it's helped us so much in our relationship be able to get through arguments where before he would just keep apologizing. I don't just want to hear that you're sorry for me. Sorry doesn't really do anything in any circumstance. Um, I think of like when you're grieving a loved one or something. What is an I'm sorry going to do? But really showing me that you understand that I'm feeling something and that you're here for me and you support me through that, that's what empathizing with someone is. And that's the ability to really understand and like and support that person through it. And even if you've not went through a similar circumstance or maybe you won't react in, if it was you the same way, showing that their reaction, is still it still matters and it's okay to have those feelings create that safe space right and i think going into like for me with the criminal justice system and being a criminal justice major it's so hard to empathize because they are criminals but you have to put yourself in their shoes whether they're guilty or innocent and think there could have been a legitimate reason for why they did the things that they did or why they're wired this way or nature versus nurture. There's so many other components. Being in a public service type of profession really allows you to empathize and think, okay, obviously my life is not perfect, but these people are struggling and what can I do to service them? And I think having empathy as one of your traits or qualities is so important because we live in such an apologetic culture but you have to realize what it would be if somebody made those statements about you like if somebody disregarded the way that you felt because they made an insensitive comment or like anti whatever you are comments it's hurtful but those people won't understand why the things that they said hurt because they're not empathetic they haven't put themselves in your shoes to truly understand why things hurt the way that they do and i think one of the reasons we made this podcast is because both of us are so empathetic to other people one of the things i'm always like okay Just because I wouldn't do that or just because I wouldn't say that or think that way or feel that way or react that way doesn't make your experience any less valid because I have not 
lived your life through your own your shoes and your life experiences but that doesn't mean that my way is better than your way and I think we talk about that a lot is that because this generation has social media and the ability to outreach to so many thousands of people through all different like cultural backgrounds all shapes all colors different sexualities we are realizing that there's not one right way to do anything I think having empathetic people in our government, having empathetic people in positions of power in businesses is so important because you're able to really like see the other side of, the, of that coin and especially in anything like the criminal justice system, yes, people make bad decisions and yes, people do terrible, horrible, disgusting things and it can be really, really bad. The bottom line is that they're people and i think that it's so important to have like that like that regard at least that this is a human life you might be a bad person and they really might be a bad person and not have legitimate reasons of why they're the way that they are i think of like sociopaths or people that have had great upbringings turning and snapping and killing their parents and and, and things happen right i definitely agree that that doesn't mean that you treat them like shit you don't treat them like you know, worse than you treat any animal, they're still breathing people. And that in itself is like enough. I, I think for me, just the fact that they're people, then their lives matter um, and they deserve a certain standard of living. But I think that's something that's really, really controversial. And I think that's something that's really, really hard for people to know, oh, well, you have this bullet, like this bullet point list of all of these terrible things you've done and crimes you've committed, but I still have to treat you with some sort of like decency I think that's I think that can be really really no for sure absolutely and I think that plays into the next point which is social skills and that's having the ability to pick up on like jokes sarcasm customer service maintaining friendships and relationships and finding common ground with others not everybody has the same walk of life or journey but if you like you and I are very different people and we've had different upbringings and different life experiences but we have the ability to find common ground and be able to find experiences that may relate to one another and I think that plays such a huge important role in social skills right and for us especially like in our relationship we could not be any more different like your parents are still married. My parents are divorced. You have a bunch of siblings that are older than you and you're the youngest. I'm the middle. So like there's just so many different things. Like I got married younger than you are getting married. Like just the way that I carry myself, you're a type six, I'm a type three. That's totally freaking different. Like we are very, very different, but I think that emotional maturity is someone that has the communication skills and like has the the will and like the want to understand you can find mutual things with anyone like you can find mutual ground with anyone I think if you take the time to search for it and even if you can't find a similar experience you can relate to how that person's feeling so I totally agree with that um it also says that emotional maturity is someone with good time management somebody who can lead other people who can manage a group of people um, and the ability to resolve difficult situations and conflicts using persuasion and negotiation. So essentially I'm thinking like being able to talk someone down and calm them down and stay clear and rational in your mind 
even when someone else, you know, is in the middle of throwing just a total fit, which everybody does, but being that like calm presence and being able to be mature in the moment and say, hey, this is hard right now, but let's talk, let's think, you know, big picture. Is this the day that is the worst day? Is this really the worst day of your life or the worst thing that's ever happened to you? And even if it is, can we navigate that together and and can we make that okay and make it better? Right. And like, especially you being a boss and having so many associates and really trying to navigate the waters of all your associates who have different personalities and different life situations that they're going through and being able to blend all those together and know what makes a good team. But also knowing that if two employees are having a conflict, they can find common ground and resolve the issue in a civilized and fair manner with you being the mediator and being able to navigate and direct the conversation into something that's positive and something that actually works. With a healthy dialogue. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about emotional intelligence is because I learned that term through my career. My management trainings talk about the most successful people have emotional intelligence because think about it this way. If you have a bad day and you are pissed and you're just complaining and bitching and moaning and like everything sucks, it's the end of the world, I hate this job, I hate everything here, screw this. If I don't have emotional intelligence, my reaction to you would be like to get sucked in to your negativity and to start finding things that resonate with the underlining message of, oh, I feel that way too. Wait, I also don't like that. I also don't like that. Now I feel right justified in my feelings. I'm finding that common ground, but I'm allowing myself to be, my emotions to be changed based on your experience and your feelings at the time. So good emotional intelligence is being able to take a step back and say, wait, this person's upset for reasons X, Y, and Z, but a good manager, instead of diving into that, is trying to pull them out of that to be with you, not just getting sucked in. Because I can let one thing ruin my whole day. And emotional intelligence is choosing not to let that one thing ruin your whole day or that hour and be able to let it roll off your back and not let other people impact your mood and your truth and your feelings um, and navigating that beside them. And I think that's something that's still so hard for me, even to this day. And I'm obviously not a connoisseur on emotional intelligence. I'm not a licensed therapist or doctor or anything like that. I'm just a human that's trying to figure it out. And I'm trying to navigate my own emotional intelligence, as well as be in tune with the people around me and play into their emotions. Like I know Juan is not very good with empathy. So when something happens and he needs to empathize, I have to show him that I have the emotional intelligence to say, babe, you should have said something like this and you should have navigated the conversation in this way to show that you can put yourself in that other person's shoes. It's such a good life lesson to have and I think that everybody's just trying to figure it out and nobody's perfect, but by opening up this dialogue and having a conversation on it, like when we did a poll for topics, this was the number one thing that people wanted to know. And they wanted to know what is emotional intelligence and why and how can I get it and how is it created and whatever. And I think this conversation is so important. And it's actually like, and it sounds really scary if you don't know what it is. Like, what does that even mean? Am I not allowed to cry or feel? No, no, no. It's acknowledging your feelings and allowing yourself to to feel them, but not letting your feelings control you and everything that you do. 
So I think of like a toddler and this is like, and I learned this, this is how they described it to me in the class that I took. And I took it with Ty and Ty and I talk about this all the time. And he will be the first person in my life to say, are you using your emotional intelligence or are you just, you know, hitting the ground running and like going with and getting stuck in like the chaos and the tornado of what's going on around you? You want to be the eye of the hurricane and be able to navigate that as smoothly as possible, especially in a work situation. But in most relationships, if you're trying to support someone, that doesn't mean you have to have toxic energy with them. You want to try to get them out of that. Um, and try to pull them back onto the bright side, right? And you can let someone stew for a little bit without encouraging it and making it worse. But what they said is that a toddler does not have emotional intelligence. So the tiniest thing, have you seen that? Um, it's like a Twitter, a trending Twitter situation of like reasons why I'm like an asshole parent and reasons why my kids are crying. No. And it's like, I won't let her eat dog food. And the baby's like the toddler's sobbing because the mom says, no, you can't eat the dog food. And the top, they just don't have the emotional intelligence to understand, well, dog food isn't for you. You're a person and that's not going to taste good. And that's not what's right for you. And so the kid throws a huge fit or I won't let my daughter's crying because I won't let her shave her head with the freaking razor that is on top that she can see and it's shiny. So the two-year-old is like, I want this. I want this. No, you could cut yourself and be injured. But little kids, they don't understand. They don't have the emotional intelligence or the knowledge behind that to be able to say, oh, you're right. That's reasonable. It's reasonable that you won't give me the scissors because I'm two years old and I'll stab myself in the eye, right? So instead, the only way they are able to communicate is by screaming and crying and throwing these tantrums. And that leads to terrible twos. And um, when you're an adult that gets better and you're able to be rational and work through those feelings. And that's really what emotional intelligence is, is it's a lot of the times it's acknowledging, hey, this makes me upset. And and just being able to navigate that in a calm way without throwing a temper tantrum. And that's not something that I've mastered in my personal life, but it is something I feel really confident about in my professional life is being able to keep it together even when everyone else is freaking out. If we lose power, someone has to be the calm in the eye of the storm. So with that being said, we're going to move into silver linings. Um, my silver lining is I have I have a new diagnosis. Oh, gosh. It is, it is called PCD, mm-hmm. and it stands for post-concert depression. Oh, I, from the Jonas Brothers concert. I'm so sad. Listen, this was arguably the best night of my life. I had floor seats to see the Jonas Brothers and I've never felt so many emotions in my entire life. And I've already seen this show. This is the second time I went and I was on such a high and I'm literally crashing. But the silver lining is that I was able to see the Jonas Brothers up close and in a way that I had never had before. And I stand them so fucking hard. And when I tell you, I'm a mess. I'm a whole bunch of emotions. I'm just so excited that you got to go. Like, I'm so happy that you got to go again. I know that's the highlight of your life. I know that you're really sad. But listen, I have one thing to say. And I don't want you to hurt me because you're looking at me some type of way. But Lauren, if you didn't have the sunshine of going to that concert... 
then you wouldn't be able to feel the rain of your PCD. I'm using my emotional intelligence right now and giving Julie the <laughs> biggest eye roll because without sunshine, there is no rain, Lauren, you know, so be appreciative of your PCD because that means you had something really great that happened to you this week when you went to the concert and you got four seats. You know you what know I'm saying? What, you know what that also means? It also means that with no Jonas Brothers, there is no Lauren. Okay. <laughs> Wait. A hundred percent. Um hmm. I'm gonna call your mom and fact check this. I no, just I'm, need to know. Asking listen. Listen, we're literally the same person. Their dad's a pastor, my dad's a pastor, I got siblings, they got siblings. We're, we're all the same people. Actually, now that I think about it, every time the Jonas brothers come to Orlando, you're busy. Are you an undercover like Hannah Montana Jonas brother? Yes or no? Blink twice. I'm you scared. heard it. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> Listen, if I could just collab with the Jonas Brothers, it would be the greatest day. But I honestly have no idea what I could offer them because I don't know how to sing. Cowbell. Oh, listen, <laughs> I could be a tambourine. You could be the tambourine yeah, and I they just, beat you. I want I want Joe to whack me. <laughs> listen, with what? Listen, I give him some cake by the ocean. You know what I'm saying? I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm freaking out. Let's just dive right back into my silver lining. So uh, my silver lining is very different than yours. I have started my new job and um, I guess the most it's been the most stressful thing ever because I have literally no idea what I'm doing and no idea what my job is and no idea what's happening and I don't know the system and I've never worked in full service and I've never had experience with luxury and I am a girl who for the past seven years has been doing the same thing and like obviously I've been getting promotions and stuff but I know the core of my job and what I'm doing and you can put me in any select service Marriott hotel and I can just hit the ground running and I know what works and what doesn't and you can ask me any question about the system and I have 15 answers and why. So going from that level of like expert knowledge about things to just like I feel like an infant, that's been really, really challenging for me. But... Um, my silver lining is that I have been able to recognize this week that everyone started with no knowledge of anything. And I still do know hotels and I still know Marriott. This is just a new property with new, you know, new, new systems and a different clientele. So I know that I'll be able to adapt to it. And I know I'm a fast learner. It's just been really overwhelming for me over the last week. I've just been like very emotionally drained from it, from just I, I I'm so used to being able to like show off that I do know so much and I just don't want like I didn't want them to like regret hiring me versus someone who knew the job already I don't think that's gonna be the situation I think that even though you don't feel confident in this new this new environment you bring a fresh perspective because you've come from somewhere else and whatever works at this hotel may be different than what's worked at your last hotel but at least you can bring in new experience and say well this is something that I did at this hotel and I really think it could work here in this situation and I think being the infant is sometimes a good thing because you have the ability to start fresh and you also have the ability to learn new things and it's like that saying you can't teach an old dog new tricks that's a lie even though you've been working in hotels for forever you are now able to learn new things because this is something that you've never experienced before yeah exactly and it's like i just needed 
I just needed this week to go smoothly and it did go smoothly and I'm fine and I survived it. And the first time you go and the first time you do it and the first time you do anything is the scariest time. My first week's done. Every single week from here, I will be more comfortable and more confident and feel better in my skill set. So I just need to trust that I'm not just good at this because I've done this for so long. I'm good at this because I'm passionate about it and I'm good um, and I'll be okay. But yeah, so I would say it's been a journey of a week, but I do feel, I feel good coming out of it. It's just been very stressful for me. I can't wait to see where you're going to be in this next year and how far you've come from this specific episode and this new time in your life and I'm truly so happy for you oh my gosh that's so weird I'm gonna be able to listen back to me freaking out about my first week at my job I actually love that for me (laughs) I love that for you too so with that being said that concludes this week's episode thank you so much for listening don't forget to follow us on Instagram at sunshine with rain podcast and check out our website www.sunshinewithrain.com please rate review and subscribe on all platforms and just as a friendly reminder, guys, next week we're going to be recapping the November book of the month, Daring Greatly, How the Courage to be Vulnerable Transforms the Way We Live, Love, Parent, and Lead by Brene Brown. And on top of that, we'll be announcing our giveaway winner the next episode. We will make an announcement on Instagram as well, of course. Um, but you guys want to make sure that if you have the ability, tag your friends, follow us on Instagram, make sure you like that post. We, I mean, free shit is free shit, man. It, listen, if it's for free, it's for me. Amen. Hallelujah. So we will talk to you guys next week. Stay thirsty, my friends. Cheers. <laughs>